Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. This is not going to be a gloom and doom show, Sarah. I like how you have to start it with that. I know. Because we're going to talk about some gloom and doom. We are. I feel like it's better to be informed than a uninformed, obviously. And you better be prepared and not scared. Uh, I see a lot of folks, you know, when they're not expecting a... um, inconvenient or an uncomfortable incident, it seems to affect them more than if like they're educated on it. And the, I guess the unknowing is my point here is harder to deal with than once you actually know what the problem is. So I don't feel like the diesel shortage is getting very much coverage. And you were kind of doing some uh, research there a moment ago, and it was a little difficult even to find information on it. Is that right? Exactly. And this is like great minds think alike. We didn't even talk about Mm -hmm. what topic we were going to talk about today, but clearly this is something that is on both of our minds. And I was trying to look at the Energy Information Administration's website, which basically talks about uh, how much prices uh, are for fuel and different Mm -hmm. things like that. And I was trying to see if I could find any information regarding the shortage. And I'm sure that it is on that website somewhere, (laughs) but it is a government website. And it's buried. Exactly. Exactly. When in all reality, this should be on the little homepage slider as you first get on their website, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Okay. What does all this mean? So, Sarah, do you own any diesel powered equipment? I don't, but I have a farmer that lives right next Mm -hmm. to me. He has a 100 acre cattle farm, and I know that he has quite a few items that are diesel related. And when I seen this story earlier this week, Mm -hmm. I thought of him and I thought this is going to just make his winter that much harder. As well as, so when I was a kid, we spent some time up on the southern part of Lake Michigan and we were actually on the eastern side. So winter was a real deal there. And when I started kind of just at least paying attention to this diesel shortage, Something we don't have around here is home heating oil. Have you ever heard kind of around that? Oh, yes, I have heard of that. So I didn't realize it was such a big thing until I lived up north. And then a lot of the folks in the um, northeastern part of the United States, as well as Europe, it's a very big deal there. Home heating oil essentially is diesel-based. It may have some different characteristics, but... These people, that's a lot of their primary heat source. Now, here in Missouri, a lot of us use natural gas, propane, firewood, kerosene. Did Sarah, did you ever have a kerosene heater as a kid? Yes, and they stunk like they do. no other. They do. Ugh. We had several. We pretty much had, that was a mainstay for us. And we would, uh, I know my mom and dad would always have a uh, pot of of simmering water to put a little moisture back in the house. And sometimes you can cook on it. I mean, there's some various things you can do. Um, But yes, it definitely stinks. You better have a good wick in there. You better have good quality kerosene. Sarah, why am I bringing up kerosene? Do you recall how much kerosene was when you were a kid? Now, I think that last year or maybe the year before it was somewhere in the three to four dollar range how much do you think it is this year probably five or six it's uh national average is around seven dollars a gallon oh my gosh no kidding 
and finding places that have it here in Springfield, as I think I can think of only one. There's probably more. I can think of two. Can you? Yes. Uh, that's good. I definitely want to know where those are. Danny's Service Center on Division and West Bypass, I think is the name of it. It's an older filling station. That's one that I thought of. And then there's also one right at the intersection, or they used to be. I'm not sure if Uh it is anymore. I'll have to look. But there was one off of West Bypass and uh, 44 there as well. Okay. Well, a lot of folks that, uh, how do I put this? A lot of poor families. I know that was a big motivation why we used it. That was kind of a supplemental heat source for us and or an emergency heat source, I guess. So when... Just because there's a diesel shortage, I guess my point of this whole deal is that affects everything. And for us heating our homes, powering our vehicles, or buying anything that you get at the store pretty much was brought to us on some form of diesel. Whether it was a truck, um, our beloved truck drivers out there, I salute you guys big time and gals, as well as trains. A lot of those run several Cummins-powered turbo diesel engines in those big, uh, last I knew, they may have some different power plants in them in a lot of our locomotives. So as we continue to watch things get a little tighter and we all tighten our belt a little bit, I think this is important for all of us to know about that just if you don't own a diesel-powered vehicle, it's not just like, oh, well, that doesn't affect me. If you are going to be heating anything with kerosene, you better be proactive. Uh, as diesel goes up, gas is probably going to follow in suit to a certain amount. Um, you look at the profits. I was That was the other thing I was looking at, the profits of the oil companies. It's really not motivating them to produce more barrels of oil right now. Um, we just tried to, Sarah, did you see anything about the meeting where Biden met with the Saudis at all in the last few weeks? Mm -hmm. It was pretty embarrassing, honestly. It sounded like we were kind of begging and, uh, you know, the United States is not normally the one that uh, begs for anything. We're typically the ones dictating the terms, I guess, in my humble opinion, but, uh, basically they thought they had a deal. They, you know, shook hands, yada, yada, yada. And then later Saudi said, no, we're not going to. We're not going to increase any kind of oil supply, and they're actually decreasing their oil production. So we are all going to be affected by this, whether we are buying diesel or not. But if you have a diesel vehicle or generator or home heating, um, I encourage you to be proactive while the weather is still somewhat mild at this point because it's not going to get any cheaper. So I guess the reason I started the show off with this is not going to be a gloom and doom show is I have some thoughts and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts as well about what to do about it. So one of my main thoughts back um, probably it was in the summer, we were talking about the oil um, prices going up. Jonas, which is my my son, he's uh, he's getting ready to turn 14. Him and I. We're paying attention to the world events, essentially, and I have a couple of larger um, farm tanks, essentially. And so we spent one evening running back and forth to the uh, convenience store when diesel was still three sixteen a gallon. Now, at that point, that was still high from where it was. I mean, when I think about where fuel prices were, you know, a little over two years ago or right at two years ago, it was as cheap then as... It was when I graduated high school. 
I never thought I would see fuel prices that cheap again. And I can remember specifically seeing the come and go at the corner of Fort and Sunshine. It, it was exactly what it was when I started driving and when I graduated high school, obviously. And I thought, man, this is awesome. You know, it really didn't kill you to have to fill up the tank. So two-ish short years later, clearly it's it's over doubled, which significantly makes a a difference when you stop and fill up or if you have to go anywhere or do any work that requires a vehicle or a piece of equipment. So I'm pretty much exhausted my surplus at this point, but I, I still think this is a fair reasoning that if at 519 a gallon, which is what I see it is here in Springfield right now, I bought uh, 19.23 gallons yesterday for $100. So I could have gotten more than double of that a couple years ago. My point being is, A, I don't want to not be able to use my vehicles as I need. If I need to tow and haul something, that's really where the diesel comes in. And B, if I can get it for 5 bucks and it's going to go up from there, I might as well have an extra few gallons laying around. So that's what Jonas and I did. So we had been running on $3 diesel for the last couple of months, and I'm very thankful for that. So that was one of the kind of preparedness things that I truly, truly value that, hey, you pay me now or you pay me much more later, and I don't want to be on that side of it, and I hope you guys aren't either. So being prepared as much as possible, and if you can have a little, and I'm not talking about like a run and having 700 gallons and blah, 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 putting them in non-approved containers. I'm sure everybody else saw those videos of those fools putting them in garbage sacks and all kinds of ridiculousness. You know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes kind of thing. It definitely is something that you need to do it in a safe and, and, and good manner. And if you're not um, informed enough on this, don't do it. But I'm definitely going to have a couple extra gallons laying around that if I need to run my tractor or my little bobcat skid steer or whatever I've got, I've got, actually got a case, which has been really great. Um, I want to be able to do so. And I don't want to have to go without because, you know, I wasn't prepared. You know, that just-in-time inventory, I think we could all kind of figure out that that hasn't really worked out since the supply chain has been devastated. And I want to have a little bit of cushion there that if something happens and there is a little bit of a lag in the in the supply chain, that I've got a little bit to get us through. But we've got some more ideas and thoughts about what to do about this, but we're going to step into a break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, we're talking about some diesel shortage. That's right. Uh, as well as being prepared. I can't not make this about being prepared because I don't want every. I don't want this to be a gloom and a doom and a scare show. So what can people do? Uh, one of the things is, um, and this isn't really car related. Have you ever plasticed off your windows? Oh as yeah, a kid? Uh, we used to live in like an old, old farmhouse, mm -hmm. the kind that had the windows that had the ropes yep. on the side. Yep. Yep. So we had those. So needless to say, our house got pretty oh, drafty yeah. in the winter. Yeah, single pane windows. Yeah, I mean, you could almost like see the newspaper blow because <laughs> yeah. it just. It, yeah, we definitely did that as a kid, but. You know, I, we obviously don't live up north at this point. We're kind of in the darn near the very central part of the United States, but it's still we get winter here. So that's something I think we'll be doing. We did quite a bit of uh, winterization last year, um, as well as vehicle wise. 
and I don't want this to be about maintenance. If you've got somebody that takes care of your vehicle, if you can do it on your own, do it. That's essentially, I guess, what I'm saying. If you don't have and you need somebody that knows what they're doing, give me a buzz. Give your shop a buzz, whatever it is. But having good tires on your vehicle, they have been going up in price. I shared this a couple of probably weeks or months ago. I had uh, my oldest daughter is getting ready to be 16 here pretty quick, which she's still, in my mind, is still a little girl. She's not anymore. She's a young lady. And I had drug my feet on purchasing tires. Now, why am I talking about diesel shortages and tires, et cetera, et cetera? A lot of this stuff comes from the petroleum industry, okay? So tires is a big uh, uh, ingredient, or I guess petroleum is a big ingredient in tires. So all of this is affected. Those tires, within a month or two, I had some issues getting the title straightened out and getting it titled here in Missouri. Those tires went up $46 per tire. I basically, for the price of two, um, had I ordered them earlier, I would have gotten four tires because they, they were around $100 a tire. And when I finally pulled the trigger, they were $146 a tire. Well, we need to take your advice. <clears throat> you know, I think it was... Two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. maybe it was a week ago. I don't know. Time flies. But Ryan, he had a flat tire on the side of the road. And then the very next day, his spare Uh. also went flat. So uh, we ended up getting kind of a cheapy tire Mm -hmm. that I think that we're going to use just as the spare. Sure. And then we're actually going to get a a tire that actually matches the other Mm -hmm. three that are on there. But we definitely need to take your advice and go ahead and order that before they go up even more. Yeah, I thought they might go up a little bit, you know, but I didn't think they would basically, you know, go Just up. skyrocket. Yeah. yeah. It was like, holy smokes, that was a financial mistake. Are you familiar with the term fiat currency, Sarah? Have you ever heard that term? I don't think so. So fiat currency, and, and I'm, I don't want to make this about, uh, basically, this is a little political, but just bear with me. Essentially, it's... it's uh, the definition, and you can all look up what the definition, my definition of it is that basically it's a currency that's backed by nothing, okay? So when we were on the gold standard, the currency was backed by gold. So pretty easy. You know, if I wanted to trade my currency for gold, you did. And then when we were on the oil standard, you know, the world essentially traded oil in U.S. dollars. Well, because of what happened here, basically almost 50 years to the day from, I believe it was when Nixon, if I've got that wrong, my bad, but Nixon got us on the oil standard, took us off the gold standard. Essentially right now, we are not backed by oil anymore. Almost 50 years to the day, we went off the oil standard. Saudi Arabia said, hey, we're going to start trading in multi, multiple currencies. I digress. Point being, we were having a discussion that, hey, you know, this currency is basically backed by the might of the U.S. military, as well as we have been able to export a lot of our inflation out in those dollars that we sent to other countries. My point being is this. Right now, if I can take my dollars, if I have an extra few dollars lying around and invested in something that I know that I'm going to use, and I'm not just talking about tires, fill in the blank with whatever's important to you, I would much rather have the item than the dollars. Does that make any sense, Sarah? Am I crazy? 
No, not at all. I think Especially I'm way out if left you field. are being prepared. Yes. So my family and I were kind of having a little discussion, and they actually brought up a thought that, like, hey, you know, if I'm going to keep this car for a while, you know, I've got maybe say forty thousand miles left in my tires. What do you think about? And and I didn't prompt him on this, having an extra set of tires laying around, and I thought. Well, that's crazy. Initially was my initial thought. And then I started kind of thinking about all the emails and the price increases and et cetera. I thought, you know what? That's probably not a bad idea. So, you know, I do a lot of trailer. Um, I use my trailers quite often. And trailer tires are something that, man, it seems like you will ruin a trailer tire in a hurry. And so I actually picked up a couple extra trailer tires. They weren't overly expensive. But my thought is, is that I know I'm going to use them. I have multiple trailers that that tire fits, so I'm going to have an extra one or two sitting on the sideline. If somebody is wanting to purchase extra tires, Mm -hmm. is there a proper way to store them until they actually get used? That's a wonderful question. The sun is one of the worst um, deterioration, um, I guess, uh, forces on a set of tires. So. It really dries them out. So I definitely want them stored in somewhat of a, um, you know, if you can put them inside the garage, that'll help out a ton. If there's a window there, clearly I want it a little bit away from the window. So what happens with older tires, and I've mounted and dismounted a lot of them, when I get a brand new tire, they're very pliable. They're easy to manipulate on and off the wheel because you kind of have to stretch the bead of the tire around the rim. And they ride really well. Well, once you start getting into that four, six years down the road, they get very brittle and very stiff. And so when I dismount them, a lot of times they will deteriorate or rip apart as I stretch them off of an older bead. So if I'm going to, and and personally what I'm doing right now is I've got a shop that doesn't have any windows. It's not climate controlled. It's hot in the summer and it's cold in the winter. The tires will be pretty good there. Most of these warehouses that store them, and I've been in some very big tire storage warehouses, they probably keep it maybe a little above freezing, but most often than not, it gets below freezing. And in the summertime, it's, you know, probably a hundred degrees in that warehouse. So Mainly the sun is the biggest thing. I wouldn't want to keep them outside and let a lot of water get in them and it freeze and it get cold and all that. But if you can keep them inside out of the sun, they will store for many, many years. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about keeping them for six or eight years, but like if you knew you were going to need a set of tires, you know, next year or like what I'm doing with my trailer tires, I know that between the camper and my car hauling trailer, they have the same tires. I'm probably going to need a tire in there somewhere. I'm just going to have an extra one on hand. So hopefully that answered the question. It that did, make yes. any sense? As well as, you know, if if uh, I've had folks and customers do this for winter and snow tires where they'll get a whole extra set of uh, used um, original equipment wheels and they'll have an extra set of wheels sitting around. So, you know, for Ryan and the, the Colorado, if you guys run onto a deal on a match wheel, it would be awesome to have a, a full-size spare that matched his other four. And a lot of times these salvage yards, you can pick them up for, you know, 40 to 60 bucks. If you got a big, nice custom wheel or an upper trim package vehicle, sometimes they are much more expensive. But for the run of the meal, mill, you know, everybody's got an F-150 or Chevy pickup or Dodge or whatever. You can find them pretty reasonable. 
Um, I've even ordered and found some on eBay out there. Now you have to be careful. You can buy somebody else's problem real quick um, and be saddled with it by the time they ship it to you. But it was just the thought of the extra tires sitting around and, you know, the condition of, of what they are. We have quite a big fleet between me and Stacy and Seth and Trinity and Josie now driving and Jonas will be driving. And, you know, we, we have a lot of tires that sit at basically our house all the time. So I'm always kind of looking at mainly everybody else's tires to make sure they're in good shape because if I don't and they break down, I'm basically the roadside rescue guy, which is cool. I don't mind. But if I can prevent that for them and me, that definitely is kind of the, the, the mindset or game plan from where I'm at, as well as if I know the doggone tire prices are going to go up, uh, you know, $46 a tire in, in my instance, and I'm just keeping it real with everybody out there. I would have bought them and sat on them for a year or two and saved a tremendous amount of inflation at that point in time. One of the biggest commodities that goes into making the tires, um, typically Russia was the number one producer. And clearly everybody knows about the sanctions and that we are not allowed to utilize that. So that's driving the availability. And that's the other thing, not just the price, but if you have an odd-sized tire, I have noticed it's been much more difficult to get non-run-of-the-mill tires. Like if you're running this crazy offset, very narrow sidewall, very big wheel, um, you need to be more proactive than others because you may go to the point that you need tires and not be able to get them because they're not making a lot of the odd-sized tires because they're just not in much of a demand. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, we got some more tips and tricks we're going to hopefully uh, share with you after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. I guess uh, I don't want to make this gloom and doomy. That's not my goal by no means. Sarah, have you noticed? Um, I think we probably take care of most of the maintenance on your guys' vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um I have seen a lot of posts out there recently of people complaining about the cost of oil changes. Have you got any wind of this? Um, I don't think so, but I'm kind of used to the price. You know, we have been really, I'd say, proactive, if we could put that out there, that we have had a great relationship. We've shifted some of our vendor relationships. Early in the pandemic, there was a shortage on oil filters because a lot of that stuff came from overseas. So there were times where I saw a lot of people posting that you couldn't get oil filters for certain vehicles. You couldn't get certain oils and fluids for other vehicles. And we, I believe, kept our ourselves ahead of the curve. We really didn't, I say, experience any shortages We did run into some hardships getting it, and the price typically was elevated, but we were able to get it. But we continued to work our business connections in the industry to keep us supplied. I never had to tell anybody, hey, I can't change your oil. Um, And I'm not saying that by any means now. We've really strengthened our ability to do that and made sure we're paying attention to some of the ebbs and flows. Does that make any sense? Yes. So why am I bringing this up? That's another item I think that if you are a do-it-yourselfer or if you have somebody that takes care of your stuff, I would urge you or or I guess ask that you 
talk to them and say, hey, you know, what's your kind of backstock on this stuff? If, if, you know, how much cushion do you have on this? Or if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you know you're going to be changing your oil, you know, for the next year or two on that vehicle, why not have some two or three set back for that? And so as a company, essentially, that's kind of where our mindset is, is that, hey, we know we're going to be servicing these people's vehicles and that we need the necessary and right quality, quality over quantity for sure. I'm not going to I'm not going to bend on the quality for, you know, just something to put in there, if that makes sense. And I urge you not to as well. But as I see, uh, you know, as a company, what we're doing is to make sure that we stay competitive with a good quality product. You know, we're we're having to be proactive on that versus a lot of folks just absorbing some of those inflation prices and having to have a hundred dollar oil change. Now, there are for my diesel folks out there, you guys, a hundred dollars is really probably actually cheap for an oil change. But you guys are dealing with a lot higher capacity systems than pretty much everybody out there listening. So. For everybody out there listening, make sure that if you are doing your service, that the quality of what you're paying for is what should be in there. Um, the cheapest oil change is for sure not where I want my vehicle to be because you will suffer the consequences, as well as, you know, make sure you're dealing with somebody that's not running on razor thin inventory and margins. And if you're a do it yourself or, you know, whether you spend it now or you spend it later, you're still going to need to be taking care of that vehicle and making sure that it's going to last as absolutely long as possible. You know, I can look at folks that barely get 100,000 miles out of their vehicles, and I can absolutely tell you why that 100,000, that vehicle is so far gone, it's not worth resurrecting. And I can look at other people. I've got a very dear friend. Um, He has been driving his vehicle for years and years, cross-country, towing loads, et cetera, et cetera. He's pushing three, four hundred thousand, and that truck is in fantastic shape. So you can do this. It doesn't have to be done by, you know, A1 Custom Car Care. If, if we're your chosen facility, I appreciate that greatly. If you have a relationship with somebody that takes care of it at the level that you need them to, which is essentially trying to prevent you from having those catastrophic breakdowns or, you know, failures to where you have to get a new vehicle, you're in a good spot. Stick with them. I mean, I cannot express that anymore. You need to take care and protect this investment because the, you know, the last few decades, if you will, of disposability is really waning at this point. We're doing repairs and rebuilding things that years ago I would have never even thought about. I would have got a replacement. It would have been good quality and we would have motored on. But the replacements now and the quality of it are so poor it behooves me to remanufacture, rebuild some of these things versus buying a low-quality, crappy replacement. And I cannot stress that enough. The money at this point is not easy money anymore. And I know it's important to me, and I'm sure I value that it's important to you as well, that if you can take care of that and not have to do any major repairs to it and drive it paid off, that's where my mindset's at. I'd love to buy a new vehicle. I look... I don't want to say I look every day, but I look a lot. But then I see what that burden of debt will put me, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. The trucks I got got buku miles on them. Uh, they don't have all the bells and whistles, but they do what I need to, and they don't owe me nothing. 
I guess that's the the thought process that I'm sharing with you all today is that that's a good spot to be in. I'm very thankful to have the ability to do that. And not just because I'm an auto mechanic. I have tons and tons of customers and friends that we do that for all the time, as well as I see the difference. Yeah, every once in a while, it is a large repair. But when you you shake that out as far as, you know, having to put $1,500 into a vehicle, that's a lot for a lot of folks out there. That's two or three months car payments, let alone the taxes that are increased, the insurance that's increased, et cetera, et cetera. I want to be as proactive as possible as I see the contraction coming down the line. And I'm not scared of that contraction. There are ebbs and flows to everything in life. And I value the point to pay attention to it and hopefully see it coming. And I guess that's what the thought process of sharing this with everybody today is we're paying attention to it as a company. I'm paying attention to it as an individual. And I urge you as well, just just a little bit. If I can have a little bit put back for a rainy day, I'm sure going to do that. Sarah, you think I'm way out there, my tinfoil hat's on, and I'm being crazy today? No, but I do have a story here that kind of is in line with what you're talking about. Okay. You mentioned purchasing a new vehicle mm-hmm. and that you really would like to, but, you know, right now is just not the time. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are out there in Radioland and you are looking for a new vehicle, specifically a Toyota, I have a story oh, for you. Interesting. Toyota is limiting smart keys to one per new vehicle sold due to... Semiconductor shortages. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Yes. So in an effort to ration semiconductors, Toyota, let me try that again, Toyota Motor Company reportedly announced that it would replace one of the two smart keys it delivers with a mechanical one. As the shortage of semiconductors continues, this is a provisional measure aimed at delivering cars to customers as quickly as possible, the company said in a statement. As for the second smart key, we plan to hand it over as soon as it is ready. This change will apply to 14 models of Toyota cars as well as nine Lexus models. So if you are out there and you were thinking about getting a Toyota, just know that you will not be getting your second key. You know, I think it's actually pretty smart on Toyota's part. You know, I know I was looking at some Ford options here. Clearly, I've you know, been looking at Fords. I can't not. But there was certain um, trim um, accessories or add-ons that if you bought this or that, the truck would take months and months longer to get. Mm -hmm. But if you would remove some of that stuff, that you could get the truck in like 90 days. And I think they're all kind of looking at that stuff. You know, essentially, if you can eliminate two or three chips to every model that you build, that's a lot of chips and you can produce a lot more vehicles. So that's pretty wise. Yeah. Have you looked into, I don't know how much time we got left, but have you looked into the amount of repossessed vehicles that are coming back into the market? I haven't, but I kind of felt like we would probably see that here. We're on the tip of that right now. The used or repossessed inventory that's coming in or back to a lot of these financial institutions is it is really getting to be a surplus, I guess would be the best way to put it. But they're not really pulling the prices down. When they, Typically, the normal process is they run them through an auction. Vendors or used car dealers or new car dealers that have a used car um, division buy them up, and then they liquidate them back out to the market. That's how they recoup their, their uh, money that they have out on those vehicles. 
But right now, the used vehicles had been so expensive, they have a lot of leverage on them that they're not wanting to let them go and lose a lot of money on their books. But I think after the first of the year, they're not going to have a choice that they are really going to uh, have a glut, if you will, and they're going to have to slash these prices. They're going to go out to the used market. So even though it's still, and I think it's very wise Toyota's doing this, a um, so difficult for us to get new vehicles, there is going to be a lot of late model vehicles that people bought the last two years. Their life changed. They quit getting these free checks out there. And they were repossessed. So there is going to be a boatload of that coming back in inventory. So if you're in the market, play your cards right, be patient, and it will go in your favor. But Sarah and I are going to take our last break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. we got just a little bit of time. Sarah, I heard a news story out there about Carvana. Okay. We have done several stories on Carvana. They are struggling real bad right now. Are they? So their mindset, I guess, is they built all these uh, vending machines. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine how many millions of dollars probably. Um, and Stacy and I actually sold one of our cars to Carvana. Did I share that with you here you a did, couple yeah. years ago? And they, well, the reason we did is they made it very easy to do business with them. They paid top dollar for it and they came and picked it up at our house wrote us a check and rode off into the sunset with our car so it worked out really really good for us but in hindsight or i guess what this news story was about is they their business model was to make it so easy to buy a car and they have so much overhead at this point and they overpaid for so much of their inventory now the used car market is drastically coming down or coming back to reality <clears throat> that they are saddled with a lot of inventory they paid top dollar for. Uh-oh. Yeah. So in our case, it worked out good for us, but not good for anybody that's employed or invested in Carvana. So <clears throat> I hate that out there. That, you know, I don't want anybody to do bad. But I wondered when we were doing business and the quote that they gave for buying our car, I was like, man, that's a really good quote. You know, I was like, wow, you know, we're crazy not to do that. And I didn't understand why. I remember thinking and at least kind of like batting this around like, yeah, we should do that. And it was super easy. The They had a lady tow truck driver. She was awesome. She was there probably 10, 15 minutes and away she went. She had everything in order. But I, I know that they overpaid for that car. I was like, well, maybe they got something. They know something I don't. You know, that was kind of my mindset. Well, down the road, I, you know, see what happened. They They wanted to get their name out there. And they wanted to get a lot of good quality used vehicles out there. So it was easy. So they did accomplish all that. But now they have all this inventory and they're talking like, and this is just speculation, but possibly bankruptcy for them at some point. So Uh-oh. that'll be another liquidation of assets as far as whether it's property in these buildings. I don't know what in the world you would do with these buildings, the car vending machines, and all of the cars that are out there that Carvana has. So Definitely something to be thinking of or mindset or awareness of that, uh, you know, if you have sold your used car for good money during the height of this, it's probably not going to bring a ton of money right now. You're definitely going to take a hit on it if you need to resell it, as well as if you're in the market and you're looking for a good deal out there, it's probably coming. 
And that's kind of where my mindset's at. If I can get a deal on a, a slightly used truck or something in the next couple of years, I'm probably going to do that. But, uh, you know, I know you and Ryan kind of went through that at the height of the car prices. And I feel like you guys did really well um, as turbulent or turbulent as it was during that. Yeah, I mean, it was stressful for at least one of us. We were in a position where my vehicle was, it was okay. It mm-hmm. had some some things that needed to be fixed on it, but it was totally manageable. Everything was fine. It was safe to drive and it was safe to sell, but it gave me the option to kind of look around mm-hmm. and see if I could find something that was definitely in our budget because we definitely experienced that where yeah. prices were ridiculously overpriced uh-huh. when they shouldn't have been. So we had that chance to kind of filter out a lot of those vehicles and see if we could find one that was good, but then also find one that um, had less mileage on it. Mm-hmm. And that was just essentially taken care of. And w- thankfully we found that with mine now yeah. with Ryan's vehicle, which we found the same exact things too, but we were in a, a little bit more of a position uh-huh. where it was strained that yeah. we had to find a vehicle and we had to find a vehicle within like a week and a half. Yeah. It was kind of unexpected at that point. Yeah. The poor danger ranger. Yeah, the danger ranger had been loyal and just rock solid dependable for a long time since high school. Right. Yes. Which is amazing. I mean, I that's awesome. We shared a birthday with the danger Heck ranger. Yeah. So the I danger ranger was like uh, 25. Yeah. When it decided to go to car heaven. Yeah. Had enough and just tapped out and said, nope, I'm sorry. Can't do any more for you. Right 25 now. years is a pretty good time. That though. is a very good run. <laughs> I mean, you think about cars now. Most people don't own their cars more than three to five years. Yeah. But you guys were very diligent and you stuck to the process. You didn't just run out and buy whatever it was. And we had some lemons we looked at. I mean, some of that was like, holy smokes. And then what really got my goat is that, you know, we kind of watched those vehicles. And unfortunately, somebody, the dealer knew what was wrong. And Mm -hmm. then they sold them to somebody else. So not only did they buy top dollar, they bought a huge problem. Yeah. And so knock on wood, thankfully you and Ryan were able to, you know, weed through those, still get you guys a good deal as well as your guys's lifestyle kind of changed at that point. And you needed really some more roomy or uh, capability as far as the vehicles and you guys did a great job. So I thought that was super cool. I know it was probably very stressful. It was, it was a lot. We got the house. We found out that I was pregnant. We got two new vehicles all at once. So we kind of felt like we got all of this stuff Mm -hmm. just kind of out over and done with. And so now we're kind of riding smooth, hopefully. Absolutely. And then, (laughs) then you can enjoy some of those decisions or, you know, those life changing experiences, you Mm -hmm. know, having the house and, the cars and the little one. And I mean, that's that's really the American dream, if you will. I yeah, think that's awesome. It is definitely the American dream. Now, we kind of mentioned this since we're talking about pre-owned vehicles to kind of, I guess, pre-sell a show here. Mm-hmm. But every year we kind of talk about different things that go on sale, especially during Black Friday. Oh, yeah. One thing that people don't necessarily think about, uh, they they think about the uh, the plasma or the, yeah. the kids for the toys. Yeah, the electronics. The toys for the kids. Mm-hmm. And one thing that people don't necessarily think about is vehicles, which is something that typically does see Black Friday deals. Oh, yeah. There's some great deals out there. So I figured that we could talk about that. Maybe maybe not next week, but the week mm-hmm. after, because believe it or not, but Thanksgiving yeah. is going to be here before you know it. Goodness. I know. Where did our, our year go? Time flies when you're having fun, I suppose. I always thought that it was kind of funny how... 
my parents would always tell me now, you know, time, it goes really quick and it mm-hmm. gets quicker the older that you get. Yeah. And I'm kind of experiencing that nowadays. Yeah, I'm right there with you for sure. So we have a couple of minutes here before we have to officially uh, sign off the radio. So mm-hmm. what has been going on around the shop? Lots of, I want to say large repair related stuff. I think we did three different timing chain jobs at, at our Republic location this last week. And years ago, when we would get into that, it's not that we didn't see them. We did, and I would fix a fair amount of them. But for us to do three timing chain jobs in one week, that definitely shows me that people are needing to keep their cars going. Where previously, when it was easy to get a new or used car, they would just take it in. They would pawn it off on some dealer, more often than not, um, knowing or not knowing, and then they would just get themselves something different. Well, a lot of times now you're buying those problems. So you're, you may be the recipient of buying that vehicle that now you paid top dollar for and it needs timing chain. And so people are not really interested in that. And from my mindset, I can totally get why. If I can put, you know, maybe a fair amount investment in the vehicle that I own and hopefully is paid off or close to being paid off and get the timing chain or get the transmission or get the engine, whatever it is done. And I know it's a good still reliable vehicle, I'm going to do it. I know from personal standpoint, a lot of my vehicles that I buy are vehicles that have had catastrophic failures like that, that somebody didn't want to put the investment in. I put the investment in it and I drive them for hundreds of thousands of more miles. I, I've done that. I can't tell you how many times. And if you've got an F-Series pickup out there, There's probably going to be far and few between folks that know the ins and outs of those near as much as I do. Not to mention, I have that same knowledge basis throughout our staff. I've got guys that are just awesome on the Dodge platform, awesome on the Chevy platform, Toyota. You know, we as a conglomerate, if you will, I've got guys that know that stuff way better than I do. And I love being able to send that over to them and say, hey, you're the expert on this. Knock it out for these folks and get them taken care of and get them back on the road. That's a blessing, and I'm very thankful for that. But I see what it does for the customer, that I can save their vehicle essentially from going to you know a scrapyard sometimes. Or I have folks sometimes that you know find them in that condition, bring them in. We do a repower or we do a... You know, whatever it is, significant repair, get it back up and going and put it back out in service for, like I said, thousands and thousands of more miles. So we're seeing a lot of that right now. And we offer a three year, 100,000 mile warranty on our repowers, as well as most of our repairs are anywhere from a 12 month, 12,000 mile to three year, 36,000 mile warranty on a lot of our repairs. So what I tell a lot of those folks is once I do this repair, I own it for that amount of time. That is mine. You're you're driving it. You're using it. It's in your car. But my level of commitment to that is it's mine. And if you have any issue with it, we're going to take care of it. So that's kind of what's going on around the shop. All right. Well, if you are out there in radio land and you have a question or comment for me or Dustin, well, you can shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417 417- Four four seven five seven four three, or you can reach out to us on social media. That is at one zero four one KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yeah, you too. Be safe. Bye.